Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 28 of Music is Not a Genre, MXG. I think I got it this time. I think maybe I have it forever. I don't know. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. Don't forget you can support this podcast and the music that I do and everything else at patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Good friend of mine who does podcasts herself, she does sci-fi podcasts, the Star Trek, uh, said that the way she gets patrons is to mention it, is to talk about it. And I tend to just mention it at the beginning of the show. I'm going to mention it again at the end of this episode for a particular reason, but I wanted to spend just another extra second talking about it here To let you know that even though I kind of brushed by it so that we can get to the meat of the matter, it really is an important thing for me and for all creators that if you love what they do, find a way to support them. And Patreon makes it really easy. It's as little as $5 a month. Or you could go to nickdematteo.com slash shop and get a t-shirt. Including the one I'm wearing here. Those of you who are just listening, it is uh, one of my rec logos, the band. And it's pink, and I like the shirt, etc. There's another reason I'm wearing it, but uh, I thought I'd hawk that. There are 22 designs as of this recording, and it's pretty eclectic. It's not it's not just band logos and things like that. Please, nickdematteocom slash shop. You're going to find some great t-shirts there and some discounts if you join Patreon. Uh, of course, as always, please subscribe and like and share at youtube.com slash at music is not a genre. And the aforementioned nickdematteo.com is where you can find everything, uh, music, acting, voiceovers, the blog, the shirts, and everything else. And of course, please listen to and support my band, Rec, R-E-C, at recarea.bandcamp.com or wherever you stream music. We're going to get right into the topic today. I have been working on this topic for a long time. It's been in my mind since the beginning of this season, and I kind of had an empty slot here this week because something else I was going to do isn't happening yet. So I decided to jump right into it. It's taken a lot of putting together, a lot of writing and organizing and all of that. And the topic is the music self-help hype. Don't wait to get great. It's also, this is also the 30th edition of uh, my Music is Everything subseries, which is where I expound on a topic, give you my opinion on it, connect it to things in the world outside of music and all of that. This one in particular, I'm very passionate about. And what it is, is, uh, yes, how can you be a musician, not just from the artistic standpoint, from the business standpoint, what are the nuts and bolts of that? I'm not I'm not going to give you the facts of all that. This isn't a tutorial in that sense, but it is a guide, hopefully, as to when you are looking for ways to get further in what you do, whether it's music or something else. The the these bits of knowledge and advice, uh, if they work for you, will help get you there. You know, some do's and don'ts, things like that. And then one big, huge piece of advice at the end that I think everybody should follow, hands down, no uh, equivocation and no qualification. So, yeah, that's my little teaser. So first confession, let's just get right to it. I have to expose my bias, which is I'm not a fan of the self-help industry at all. Now... I come at that from knowledge in that since at least my teen years, 
I have now and then dabbled in uh, reading self-help or books or taking self-help courses or watching a self-help video or what have you. And, you know, not all self-help books and, and courses and things like that are created equal. But I will say that I have always felt that self-help itself, the idea of it is uh, getting self-help from someone else is an oxymoron, right? If you're helping yourself, sure, finding ways to be motivated is is a way to help yourself. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later on. But I think that something like self-help, which has been around for way longer than we realize, as far as I'm concerned, it's been around for probably hundreds of years. There have been people, to me, I liken it uh, very much to uh, the kind of uh, traveling, you know, salesman, uh, you know, doctor, scientist who would have a wagon and be selling an elixir, you know, and whatever possible benefit that might have. And, and there are times where it does have a benefit is outweighed by the fact that it's just kind of charlatanism and uh, making money off of people's insecurities. And, you know, the the word self-help is one of those buzzwords I actually like to call them hype words because there's a difference between buzz and hype, which saddens me because there's a lot of language out in the world that's good as an expedient. Just like music genre names or things like that, or when you think of something like uh, being woke or, or whatever, that at its heart was a real good summary of what it was trying to explain. But then it gets applied to things that are a little further afield from the core meaning to the point where it gets watered down and then eventually co-opted to often even mean the opposite, you know, to the point where I think we should always, and this is a, just to talk about a bit of advice right at the beginning that's sort of tangential, we should always be wary of buzzwords. We should always be wary of simple phrases, not because they're not useful, not because they don't bring us at least into a topic to where we can start to discuss it and things like that. But if we stop there and assume that that word or phrase summarizes everything about it or has the all the whole truth and nothing but the truth within it, then we're we're going to be fooled and we're going to be led down a path of not thinking for ourselves and not finding out facts and blah, 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 blah. And part of what I'm going to talk about here has to do with the motivation to want to find things out for yourself, which I'm going to get to again. So what is music self-help in particular? You know, I, I could do an entire other podcast on just self-help in general, but that's not the, you know, this is a music podcast. I'm not going to go down that road for many reasons, but there's, there are versions of self-help in, you know, all quadrants of existence and because I'm so immersed in the music world and the music industry and music creation, you know, I'm kind of have that insider's perspective uh, there. I'm going to focus specifically on what music self-help is, you know, and but but let's just give a general sense. Self-help to me is different from actual help. Everyone needs help, no matter how. I don't care if you were Prince, you know, or. Uh, in particular, somebody like Prince who could play and sing everything himself. There were times when he knew he needed help, right? Actual help to me, when you're a musician, whether you're talking about the artistry or the tech or the career, you know, which to me are the three, you know, areas, would be like tutorials, 
you know, uh, how do you play a certain chord? How do you know what are the if you're really starting out, what are the elements of a song? Don't listen to someone if they say there's only, you know, seven ways to write a song. There's a million. But the elements, the general elements, uh, what are the elements of recording your own music? What's the tech behind doing a, a good recording? You know, with no opinion behind it. What business steps do you need to take, like metadata for your wave files and MP3s and things like that? Or how to, how to uh, you know, who you should try to reach out to, to network or to get your music out into the world. Things that are hard facts. Not so much the, the hows or, or, you know, ultimatums, but actual facts and, very importantly, helpful actions that you can take. You know, I've been in and out of uh, therapy my whole life. And one of the things that uh, lets me know that the doctor I'm working with is of my kind, let's say, is a good fit, is are there are there action steps to take? You have to explore. You have to philosophize and get into your head and understand the emotion, the meaning and all that stuff that's important when you're an artist, when you're a person. But if you if you don't have an action step, don't have something to do, some tangible thing, even if it's writing something down, something as simple as that, or making a to-do list if you're a person who thrives on that, which I do. If, if there's something on my list or on my calendar, I always get to it. You know, that's just the way it is. And if it's not on my calendar, chances are I won't get to it. Whatever it is, it's an action step that's linked to those facts that you're learning. That's help. To me, that's actual help. And, you know, that the difference between that and self-help is this. To me, music's self-help is one of three things. And some of this can apply to general self-help, but I'm, again, specifically specific to music. It can be simple motivation, motivational speaking or, or writing, videos, whatever it might be. Someone telling you, and finding ways to empower you to do what you can do, uh, like regular self-help. Or it can be access to insider information. Uh, for a fee, I will give you a list of people to contact. I will give you, uh, you know, how to write a letter, you know, a cover letter when you're soliciting your music for sync licensing or whatever it might be. Uh, things that I'll just quickly say you can find out for yourself. And or pay to play, uh, which to me is paying for shows, doing a show, actually paying someone else to do a show instead of getting paid, paying to have somebody review your music, paying for a review, like review an album or a song or whatever as a reviewer for the public or paying for critiques to where, you know, you are. Uh, looking to submit a song for sync licensing or whatever it is, and you want somebody to break that song down for you and critique it and tell you what's wrong with it, you know, or whatever it is, or even submissions themselves, you know, submit paying to submit your songs to somebody of any, of any type of payment. That to me is, is music self-help. And I'm going to say this right off the bat, which is my big objection to all of this. And the difference between help and self-help is that you don't want to pay for an opinion. What what falls under opinion, motivation, uh, advice? Is there one way to do thing? Is there is are there only uh, three you know successful ways to actually do something to the point where you 
if you don't do those three ways, you won't succeed. Something like that. Or I will review your song and tell you what's wrong with it so you can submit it, so you can uh, fix it, fix the things that are wrong and submit it yourself. And in, and in order to get that information, you're going to pay me hundreds of dollars to do it. And I'm not going to submit it for you. I'm not going to actually give you any contact or anything like that, you know. And again, if it's actual help, if if someone's providing an actual service, whether it's somebody's helping you record, it's a musician, whatever it is, or someone, again, giving you a tutorial on how to do something, A, first of all, you can find almost all that for free anyway, you know. But B, it's valuable whether you're paying or not. Because this is somebody whose main thing is this is what I do and I'm going to help you figure out how to do it and actually give you action steps and real facts to do it, you know. Um, you, sh- you know, w- w- let me go to the, so that's the motivational part. Let's go to the, that second thing. So access to insider information. This is, this is the whole, like, again, this is a buzzword, but I'm going to use it and I'm going to explain it which is the important part, and that is gatekeepers, right? You've heard it, especially last year, year before. You heard a lot about that, and it falls into all realms of the world. But specifically in music, there are people who have been in the industry who supposedly have had success doing what they do and thus have the information that they have because of the networking things that they know to you know, to make those inroads and make those connections and all of that stuff. And they want you to pay them for that information. Now, there are two things with that. One is, if this person is is successful and continues to be successful at what they do, then they are making enough money doing what they do. And the second thing is, if... You can find this information yourself. It might not be easy. You might have to do networking of your own. But the value there is when you're making connections and doing that networking, you're furthering your career already. So paying somebody this antiseptic way and, and, you know, then all of a sudden you have to ask, are they really actually just making their money by hoarding this information and or giving advice and they're not making money at the thing that they say they make money at? Or, you know, to me, and I've seen this with so many artists, particularly artists and, and, and honestly, very successful artists, when they've achieved a certain level of success artistically, career-wise, financially, whatever, they are so willing to give what they have for free. Not their work, but their knowledge. Because they understand how hard it is to be an artist and how there are things you're going to have to pay for no matter what, things that will take time and energy and money. So why force people to pay for things that they should be able to get for free, right? And again, that third thing, don't ever, do not ever, and I have put this later, but I'm going to say it now, don't ever pay to enter a contest. Don't ever pay to have your work submitted. I'm an actor as well, and I remember starting out, one of the great lessons I learned, and this I'm going to go over later on as to how this ties in, is that if Someone says, I will put you in this lookbook and send it to industry people if you get your headshots done by me and then pay an extra fee to be put into the book. 
run away. There was another time in my music career where I had meetings with some people who were looking for musicians, uh, music, uh, but performing artists as well, to be featured in a show. I think Witchblade or something like that. And I thought, great, this is what I wanted. As we got to that second meeting, third meeting, they started talking about, well, to be featured in it, you're going to have to give us like $3,000. Run away. Run away. No, nothing. The, the smallest infinitesimal percentage of, of any moving forward of success has been gained by paying people like that. Paying for the privilege of being reviewed, paying for the privilege of being submitted. If someone wants to represent you and believes in your stuff, then they know that they will make money when you make money. Paying up front for an agent for any of that stuff is is a huge no. That's a huge no. I mean, it's a huge no, right? And yes, when it comes to information, I'll say it again. If you are passionate about what you do, you will want to devote the time to finding things out for yourself. You can find out more than you could ever learn from some from paying somebody to tell you if you go through the process yourself because you're learning these things along the way that you didn't even realize you needed to know or that were part of the body of knowledge and are going to help facilitate you using that knowledge as opposed to this kind of cut and dry, well, here's what I'm going to tell you what to do if you pay me money and then... Well, how do I put that into effect? You're going to learn more about the the action and the motivation it takes and the emotion and all of that to put that into effect if you're actually doing the research yourself, you know. Or listen, if you're like, I don't have the time and you and and you want to pay someone whose actual job is researching, whose actual job is is, you know, finding these things for you. Not It's not the side hustle that they do because they were successful in something else, but that's what they do for a living and you want to pay them and you pay them, you know. And uh, and this is a big thing, which we'll get to again later in a bigger way, and that is that advice of any kind is subjective. You can get it from anybody. You don't need to pay for advice, you know. Uh, what was it like opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one or something and they and they all stink or something like that. Um you know, true and not true, but the truth of that is, is that one person's, you know, flower is another person's butt, you know, like the, the, it, something might s- smell perfect to you. You're like, oh, that's advice I need to take. And others might be like, oh, no. And you need to know the difference. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. You know, uh, you can get advice from reading artists' memoirs or reading interviews or watching interviews. I can't tell you how much advice and motivation I have gotten from just listening to other artists tell their story in one way or another. It could be as simple as an interview on a talk show, you know, like an eight-minute interview or whatever it is. I get a, You get a lot from that. And again, you're not paying hundreds of dollars, you know, or dozens of dollars or whatever it is to be motivated, you know. Uh, looking through my notes here, yes, I think I'll say it again. I think self-help is a lot like certain types of unproven, you know, medicinal practices, which is or diets or things like that. These are industries preying on people's weaknesses and insecurities, and genu- and and a genuine desire for self-improvement and exploiting that. 
You know, if what you need is to get over some stuff that is blocking you, you need more than just to read a book about it. In a book, reading a book is an action, but it's a passive action, if that makes any sense. You're not actually doing anything to further what it is you want to do. Uh, go to therapy. You know, if, if you're like, I'm afraid to show my stuff to the world or talk to friends and family, talk to somebody you trust who isn't going to talk down to you or make you feel worse about it. Right. Uh, so. But let's say this. How do you know when you do need help? Because everybody does need help. I think anyone who thinks they can perform in a vacuum is either a once in a, you know, once in a generation genius or is fooling themselves. And even the geniuses eventually need to connect with others, need help. You know, I don't think there's anyone who's ever been successful in the music industry, not only writing and singing and playing and recording and producing uh, everything, but also promoting, marketing, networking, distributing. At a certain point, they'll need a company. They'll need a team of people, whatever it is. Uh, So first of all, if you're just starting out and you don't know anything except for the feeling you have that this is what you want to do, whatever that may be, I'm writing songs. I'm singing to myself. I can't stop. And you and you don't know what you're doing. You don't maybe know certain types of theory or even if you don't want to know theory, maybe just how to play something, how to use your ear to figure out what a song is. Uh, you know, getting, getting, looking at a tutorial, there's a good idea there or going to school for it. You know, I went to school for music. I took lessons and all of that stuff. If, you know, there are people who have learned things without taking a lesson. If whatever one is right for you, you do that again. It's a tangible thing that's being taught that is part of an action. Uh, Or even if it's a body of knowledge, such as stuff about the music industry. I remember way back when I used to go to music conferences every year. One of the things that was being promoted was a very, I'm sorry I don't remember the name, but it was a pretty well-known book about the music industry, uh, which I'm sure has been updated and revised since then, that didn't say, here's how to write a letter or I'm going to, if you pay me more money, I'll give you this information. It laid out, this is the structure of the music industry. You know, this is what producer means this is what executive producer I mean this is what um, a record company is and does and this is what uh, at the time you know radio stations or airplay do and it's I'm sure it's been updated for you know the difference between terrestrial radio and internet radio and all those things again you can find out almost all of that for free now online but if you feel it's valuable to buy a book that gives you the facts and figures of how this you know is put together or even how you know, you record again. If you don't know what a DAW is, a DAW, digital audio workstation, and then you do know what it is, and then you get one, and you don't know how the hell to use it, and you you prefer not to figure it out for yourself as you go, it makes sense to watch a tutorial or read a book about it, or or you know, I learned a lot from working with other musicians and engineers. Uh, every now and then I, I have absolutely read things and watched videos that help me produce better and mix better and all of that stuff. But 99% of what I've learned, I learned by doing 
and or doing with others who already knew. You know, so again, knowing, you know, getting getting people in these days, you don't have to be physically even in the room with someone, which is more or less how it was even 15 years ago. Uh, Those are those to me are reasons to get help, you know, or again, stressing if you can do something, but that thing that you can do, you would need to learn how to do it, devote lots of hours and days and weeks to doing it. It's not your favorite thing to do. That might be a time to find a professional who can help you. It's a perfect thing. Perfect example. My main skills are creating music, anything to do with audio recording and, and design and editing, sound design, all of that, production, how to put together a song and make it sound the way I hear it in my head or the way another musician or artist hears it in their head. I've worked with other bands and artists to bring their music out, uh, always following their lead, uh, performance, uh, certain instruments that I play, uh, graphic design, writing. Those are all things that are my core skills and things I love to do, right? Things I don't enjoy doing. That aren't, or that aren't even, I'll say, I won't even say that. Things that aren't my skills, advertising, social media networking, uh, certain instruments that I don't play. Those are things I'm going to hire people to do. And I say hire in particular because we're all hurting for money. Most of us are hurting for money. Anything you can do for free, you should do for free if you can do it in a, in a quality way. Having said that, anytime you can pay for, for, for a skill, again, not a self-help thing, but for someone to do something for you, to actually do something, not just give you advice or give you, you know, things that they're hoarding uh, knowledge-wise, but if they, oh, I don't, I'm not great at recording, you know, or I can't play this certain instrument, anytime you can pay, you should pay, because those are people who are trying to make a living or even a side job or whatever it is on those skills. And so I have hired, you know, I've worked with friends and have at the very least offered to pay them a fair rate for what they do. And there are times where friends have hired me and depending on the relationship, it it has been, yes, pay a fair rate or sometimes yes for free, but at least offer there have been bands I've put together where half the musicians were like, I'm doing it for free, man. Uh, you know, we're good friends, whatever. You've done a lot for me. And others were like, yeah, that'd be great if you could pay me. And I don't begrudge either one because I think it's important to realize that skills like that should always be, you know, compensated for. And then getting into that last thing, which is what if it's something you can do, but it's not your favorite thing? There are going to be things that you will learn how to do that will just be something that will become a part of your arsenal that you never really wanted to do. You never, you never really wanted to have to, ta- have to take on that responsibility, but certain circumstances and other things, whether it's financial or time or access or whatever, have, have forced you into that position. I have learned a lot of great things at doing them myself that I never, ever wanted to do. Uh, Perfect example, mixing and mastering. When I started out, I didn't do any of that. I did some of it at home, but on demos. Professionally, I always had the person in the studio doing it. The producer, the engineer, you know, uh, whoever it might have been. 
I had advice. I might say, bring this one up, bring this over to the left, the right. Like I was learning as I went along and understood earwise what I wanted, but I didn't want to do it myself, you know, and then the circumstances change and home recording became easier, professional level home recording, I will say. And I'm like, well, I'm learning how to do this. I would still love to be able to pay other people and will be soon in the future paying other people to mix and master stuff. Rex coming out with a new album. It's part of my plan. But that's sort of that middle ground of things you can do, but you don't want to do. And you feel like they're kind of sucking away your energy for other things you'd rather be doing more. That's just part of the life of an artist. Which brings me to the next section, which is how do you know when to DIY? You know, artists are by nature self-motivated, almost all of them. So there's a trap often fall into, which is do everything yourself. I think it's always important to lean as heavily into DIY as you can in the sense that there are going to be a lot of pitfalls and obstacles in the world you know, trying to find the right people to work with or waiting for other people to, you know, say yes to you or to work with you or to whatever it is, whether you are a musician or an actor, things have been leaning heavily in, in, the, in the industry in the direction of do it all yourself. You know, not all, I won't say all, but have your social media game up and running or have a knowledge of what it's like to put together a reel or an album or whatever, you know, discipline you're in. Don't come, you know, to the table asking somebody to do everything for you, partly because it just won't work anymore. You're not going to find somebody who's just going to say, yeah, I'll take your raw talent and mold it into something, but partly because you don't want to give that control to someone else who might not know you as well as you know yourself. And we're going to get into that particular topic uh, and point a little bit later. But I will say that DIY is a double-edged sword. You know, Again, don't wait for permission to do what you want to do. Don't wait for uh, you know acceptance or somebody to acknowledge that you're doing it the right way. If, if it feels right to you artistically, then it is right. You know? Uh, but it's also important to know when help is a good idea. Again, all the reasons why you might seek help. Uh, the first thing you want to ask yourself is the thing that you're asking for. A, are you super, super passionate about it? And B, do you feel pretty strongly, pretty strongly that no one else out there could do it the way you want to do it? No, doesn't mean you shouldn't maybe try and say, hey, give this a shot. But always be willing. I once hired a guitarist very early on to do some rhythm tracks and solo uh, tracks uh, for uh, an EP of mine and listen back to it after I hired the guy, paid him, the whole thing, left. Uh, Didn't like solos at all. You know, um, kept the rhythm tracks. That was totally fine. But then had somebody else do the solos. You know, and and no harm done, no offense. It's just you have to know what fits right for you. But I gave it a try. You know, if if you have and that's the point that I'm making here, if you if you have tried to get help from others, but they don't understand your perspective or your objectives, then 
or they, let's say they're trying to redirect you in ways that change what you're, the nature of what you're doing, the sound or the style or whatever it is, the expression, the mode of expression, then that person is not a good fit. That's all it is. They may be perfect for somebody else. They're not perfect for you. Now, if you genuinely can't afford to just find somebody else and hire them and keep, you know, doing the roulette and figuring out, will you find the person who's right for you to do whatever it is, you know, whether it's uh, a, a music part or a graphic design or the, you know, mega job of m- mixing and producing something to the sound that you want. And I'm going to get into some examples there. Then, you know, if you can't afford to hire it, then that's when you really need to consider what can you learn to find ways to do it yourself. You know, again, I engineer my own music. I shoot and record these podcasts primarily because I can't afford to hire somebody else to do it. Some of this I have absolutely learned to love and I'm glad that I know it. I use those skills to be hired for other people, you know, by other people to, to do it for them. But some of it, and that's all, like audio editing production, um, shoot, man, call me now. You know, I'm ready. I love doing that stuff. Some of it in a heartbeat, if I had a, you know, sack of money, mixing and mastering, shooting this video right here. For those of you listening, I'm pointing at the camera. Where is it? There it is. Uh, I'd rather somebody else do it, to be honest. And, it, you know, probably get to that point at, at some point as things seem to be escalating. But until then... I've learned how to do it myself. It's not the worst thing in the world. I'm good at it or good enough at it to make it work. You know, the other uh, thing is if your pace of doing things doesn't match somebody else's, then you might need to do it yourself. And, and this is a tough one because you might be working with somebody who's genuine and heartfelt and understands what you're doing, but wants to take weeks and months to finish something when you're, uh, timeline is much shorter and hey, look if you're paying them then i'm sorry it's on them to come in at the uh, within the timeline that's just part of any job getting paid to do something you got to match that client's timeline if you're not paying if they're a collaborator you might need to cut the dead weight you know somebody again who you love as a person who you would love to work with but you asked them to I don't know, review a mix or lay down a, a one part on your track, you know, three weeks ago that might take them two hours at most and then they just don't do it, then you, you're going to have to, again, go ahead, try and look for somebody else and hope that it, it's better or just learn how to do it yourself, you know. And that brings me to the one of the most important points in this podcast, which is the essence of why do it yourself on on any level whether you're doing 10% or 100% or let's say 99 cuz nobody does 100 is that the best teacher in the universe is action is experience is is doing it yourself it's not just reading about it is not just taking advice from others whether you you know find the advice useful or not and that's where the subtitle of this podcast comes in don't wait to get great uh, that idea again of of gatekeepers a lot of them will tell you well you need to be at x level to submit your music you need to there are basics like 
somebody you want your music to sound good enough that people can understand what the hell you're recording and the point you're trying to get across but beyond that it is extremely subjective if if you are actively seeking out people to tell you wait learn this first do this better then you are you are purposely delaying yourself. There's some process in your brain and your emotions going on there. You're afraid to move forward. And we're going to talk about fear a little bit later. And so you are looking for ways to stop what you're doing. Oh, I don't have uh, the, the per- I'm not the greatest uh, lead guitarist. I know that. But I know I'm good enough to get the idea across that I want, especially when I'm recording. So I could do it 20 times if I have to. Same with being a drummer. I've just started drumming again. And more than ever in my life, I know when a drum, I have an ear enough to know when a drum part sounds good enough to use and dynamic enough to use and is right for the, for the song. But I also know that I'm not going to be a Jimmy Chamberlain, you know, or Dave Grohl or anything like that. And that's okay, you know, or I don't have the greatest headphones, you know, or the greatest uh, setup for this podcast recording. Oh, well, I, I can't do it. I can't start that until I get the perfect equipment or whatever it is. Anybody who tells you that, whether it's someone in the world or yourself, don't listen. The first, the first rule of accomplishing anything is doing it, is getting started. We do. We delay because of fear. And I think it's important to examine what fear is and, and that I'm breaking it down to two kinds of fear, expansive and contractive. Thought I made the word up, but that's a real word. So expansive to me is, is another word of saying, saying fear of the unknown. What it makes you feel like is all of a sudden your lungs and head fill with so much air that you feel like you have absolutely no control, like you're on the edge of a cliff getting ready to jump and you're either going to just start flying or you're going to, you know, drop to the bottom and you don't know what's at the bottom. Is there water to or something soft to catch your fall or something like that? And falls, an important word for this, is that idea of just jumping into the unknown, of that something that feels like there's too much space then you have to go forward. You have to go towards that fear. That's the fear you have to go towards. It is your new world. It's the, it's the, it's the stuff that will bring you what you want. You're going to have to give up uh, in some internal control. You're going to have to give up maybe even an idea of how your life is structured and all of that stuff. But that feeling is telling you, you got to do it. You know, Some examples for me. I blogged for years. Uh, I was prompted by my wife to start podcasting and I was kind of reluctant to do it and found reasons not to do it until I finally started it. And that it wasn't a feeling, uh, the second kind of fear, which I'll get to contractive, it was a feeling of, oh man, this is going to open up a lot of stuff and I don't know if I can handle that. You got to go towards that because that's the growth part of it. Uh, certain types of performance that I've done, like certain intricate piano pieces and things on on stage, if I hadn't pushed myself to get through that, I wouldn't have gotten to the next level, you know, or learning a new instrument. I, you know, years ago, I wasn't that great on bass. Now that's the main thing I do or drumming more recently, uh, learning how to play other types of music. I don't like, as you know, with my band Rec, I don't like to stick to just one kind of music. You know, music is not a genre, neither is Rec's music, you know, call it electro power pop or whatever, but it includes a lot of things, funk and 
hip hop and, you know, roots music to a degree and all these things. It's really fear of loss of control again. Uh, and, and then a big one for me was giving up the idea of a day job. It took me a little while to divorce myself from that part of it. I was forced out. And part of it was I had to recondition my brain to realize that was not for me. And that fear of having too much uh, time and too many choices and too many options prevented me, you know, and where's the money coming from and all that prevented me from taking that leap. And then finally did take that leap. And again, I fell through it and into it and it brought me to a new place. And that's going to come up uh, at the end of this podcast, that idea of falling. Contractive is the second type of fear. And that to me is not fear of the unknown. That's fear of the known. You know, when you think of this thing, it feels like you're suffocating. It feels like it's making your space smaller. It feels like doing it will take away and not add. It's subtractive. It's not additive. It, you know, whatever, whether that means time or energy, you're committing to something that prevents you from doing the things you really want to do. You'll have to compromise away the passion in order to accomplish this thing or telling you, you, somebody tells you to do something a certain way and the fear isn't, Oh, I don't know how to do that. That sounds great, but I, I, I think I might mess it up. That's expansive fear. It, the fear, the fear is, well, if I do it that way, it's going to change what this sounds like. That's contractive fear. You know, it's not loss of control. It's some other force controlling you, not giving you too much power, but taking your power away. You need to decide which fear it is. If it is expansive fear, again, don't wait. Don't wait. Do what you feel you have to, whether you think you're ready or not. Everybody starts from somewhere. I'm going to do a podcast this season or next season about would we like the artists we like now if we discovered them when they were undeveloped? You know, and sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. But the point is, very few artists start out fully formed. You know, I'm reading this Bono book, which I'm going to be reviewing or or talking about next week. And one of the things he's, you know, actually way more humble than you might realize. And one of the things he says is he realized even while it was happening that when he was in his teens and the band started out and they were, you know, recording their first album when he was like 19 or 20, that he didn't have what he knew he wanted, but he wasn't going to wait to develop it. You know, you have to start somewhere. Okay, Uh, a music creator, you know, goes right into it, is someone who creates music. A writer is someone who writes. There's no other parameter criteria say, oh, well, a writer is someone who makes X amount of dollars or is known by this many people or is whatever. No, if that if you do that, then that's what you are. If you do it consistently, especially, then that is definitely what you are. Doesn't matter how much money you're making, how famous you are, where you are in your career. You are, you are, you are what you do in that sense, you know? Uh, and yeah, again, don't listen to people who say you need this thing or this skill to get started. That's the whole idea of why self-help is, is hype. Oh, wait, stop for a second. Before you do anything, pay me to tell you how to do it or how you feel great about doing it or whatever it is now. You know how you learn that? How many times I've done performances, especially early on, that I was unhappy with? Best learning experiences. I'm not saying anything new. 
experience might be the best teacher, but failed experience is is better than that. Even, you know, the more you the more you do, the better you get. The more you learn. You know, I've known musicians and writers actually, uh, and other people and other disciplines who have held back their art from the world because it wasn't perfect. I, in fact, just talked to somebody who was talking about taking down old material because it didn't measure up to where they are now. People love that. People love going back and saying, oh, wow, this is where they came from. Like, what are you embarrassed about? Everybody starts somewhere. And if you at least have improved to a certain degree or gone and do it, let's even not even say improve, but gone to the place you want to go to or that you are now, then it is more worth it than ever to, to keep sharing those, you know, archived things. Perfect. You've heard this perfect is the enemy of real, you know, and to me, it's not real until it's shared. You know, you might have this monk like uh, existence where you realize that anything that is manifested is real. But if the only person who knows about it is you, then it may as well just be a thought in your mind. You know, tell one other person, tell your partner, tell your friend, show them. You know, let them hear it or whatever it is you're doing. Doesn't have to be millions of people. However many you think it is, once it's shared, it's real. And once it's real, that's what you do and that's who you are. And one of the key things about that is you need to trust yourself. Even when the idea seems crazy, like, oh, no one's done it that way or the person who did it that way was, you know, received in X way, which is, you know, uh, makes me uncomfortable. If that's the thing that co- that pops into your head that you're like, this is what I need to do. You need to do it. And I'm telling you this because there have been a billion times where I've redirected or delayed my career because I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust my path. I didn't trust the sounds I heard in my head. I didn't trust my instinct that, you know, some producer was saying, Oh, do it, do it this way when I knew that, mm, and those recordings I listened to, I don't cringe necessarily at the performance, but I cringe at the remembrance of compromising my vision. You know, there's a minefield of self-doubt no matter who you are. And it's worse when you are an artist whose worth is often judged by how successful something is. So when something doesn't work, it might mean technically that it didn't work because it didn't sell or whatever. Artistically, it might have worked totally fine. It probably did. It probably did. Especially if you followed your vision, you know, and and, and were true to it and didn't compromise it. We constantly say, well, that failed because it didn't, you know, sell this much or whatever it is. So I must have done it wrong. Not at all. I think the people who succeed are the ones who say, oh, that failed because uh, it didn't get to the right people. So I'll just find the people who love it and I'm going to keep doing it this way. And eventually it's going to get to the, you know, to the place that I know it belongs and to the people, you know, Uh, if you know you want to do something, yeah, just start doing it. You're going to waste weeks, months, years, whatever, waiting to find the right way to do something. It might be scarier, but you got to do it. And again, the info you need, the skills you need, most of it these days, you don't have to pay for it. You know, if you want to hire a tutor or whatever, yes, please pay. You know, they deserve the money. But but 99% of the time, again, paying to be heard, paying to play, whatever it is, paying for advice, it 
it doesn't deliver on its promise. Or at least, at the very least, doesn't really get you a step forward. Talk to other musicians. Talk to other music creators. Read articles. You're going to get a lot more kind of boots on the ground knowledge of what it's like to be out there and, and where failures come in handy, what success really means if you are connecting with other people who do what you do. You know, and again, take only take advice that rings true to you. If 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 it hits you in the gut and says, ah oh, shit, I have to do that, it's the wrong advice. You know, and I have some uh examples later on when I get to this other section. And if you're stuck, shake it up. You know, the, the writer's block, whatever you might call it, throw something in there you don't think should be in there. I always have a crap track on every song I do where I'm just messing around. And sometimes I use it for real, but a lot of times it's just me trying to spark something, you know. Brian Eno created, along with another guy, this card deck oblique strategies. Pick a card and it tells you, do the opposite or whatever it is. Just things to spark you to go in a different direction, you know. You may need to run stuff by people. You may need to, just you've done everything you can yourself and you're just not sure you need feedback, you know. And again, the main rule of feedback is nobody's word is law. If you don't like the feedback, if it hits you in a way, again, that's contractive instead of expansive. You know, if your brain says, ah, shit, they're right. I knew it. And I, and I meant to do it that way. Yeah. Okay. But if, if your brain says, oh, really? I thought that what I did was so-and-so don't listen. Don't take that advice. Don't take that feedback. You know, again, it's what kind of fear does the feedback elicit? expansive fear, contractive fear. If it elicits that feeling of excitement and empowerment and and fear of, oh God, I guess I do have to do it like that. Yes, that's good feedback. If it elicits dejection, demoralization, self-loathing, or the desire to like, ah, I should just give up, stop. Nope. That's bad fear. That's contractive. That is not for you. Uh, I, when I was graduating college, they back then were not really good at setting up people's careers and you didn't really have a mentor, so to speak. So I went to a professor, I, I set up an appointment and asked for advice. What should I do with my music career? And I thought I was going to get like, well, you're going to want to take this step and, you know, talk to these kind of people and always do X or Y or something even slightly positive. And the guy must have been bitter, felt like he was a failure because he said, give it five years and if you don't succeed, give up. Worst advice. Now, for, again, for someone else, that might be great advice. But that advice made me feel like shit. So I knew it was bad advice. But it haunted me. You know? Uh, okay, I already went over, you know, paying for a penny and I, I put that up. You And you should never pay up front. I've talked about that. I'm just kind of looking over my notes. But there are times where, and let me make this point though. Right. Someone who's representing you should make their money off of selling you, not off of you, off of selling you, selling your work, selling you as an actor, whatever it is. And yes, what if you get to a point where you need to work with others? First rule to me is always treat people with kindness and respect. If they're working for you, it's because they want to, whether it means they love what you do or you're paying them. Either way, they respect you for hiring them or for working with them. You need to return that respect. And yes, pay whenever you can. I've talked about that. You know, um, be careful while you work with people who 
who are willing to understand what you do and not try to make it into what they do. You know, I've worked with people who think they know my music better and their job, any good producer's job, any good musician's job, any good even rep's job is to take what you do and make it even better, but but do it the way you feel is the is the, you know, instinctive way to do it, right? Don't change the vision. Add to the vision, right? Enhance the vision, make the vision better. Perfect example, a couple of people I work with who just were there to listen and and enhance what I was doing. Joe DeLuca, who I interviewed, uh, worked on a couple of my releases. Carl Royce, who worked on What It Is, uh, was absolutely excellent, brought out what I wanted, didn't put, you know, this huge, huge stamp of, of his style on things. Daniel Cousins, whose style is quite different from mine. We've worked together on a lot of things and he was always willing to bring out what it was I needed, you know. Uh, other producers' names I'm not going to mention, but for the albums Listen You People and the Metro Grand Sessions, uh, they tried to mold that music into what they wanted and credit to them that I didn't necessarily come with a lot of self-trust. So I didn't express myself in clear ways and maybe didn't know ex- as much as what I wanted or if I did, I didn't trust it. So a lot of that's on me. But what you want to work with somebody who is still listening enough to say, oh, okay, I see what you're getting at. And let me even explain it better than you can. You know, or another example, I had a manager in the, on the music side. I, I asked him so many times to step up his game and getting me opportunities. And instead of, yes, I, I'm listening to your music. I hear what it's like. I know what a good fit is. He kept saying, change this, change that, change that. Well, then work with a different musician. As I ended up not working with this guy anymore. I can't, you shouldn't work with somebody who's trying to change who you are. You know, it's just not a good fit. They might be a great fit for somebody else. You should always be open to other ideas. But again, if you're using that good fear, bad fear judge, you will know when those ideas are, oh, yeah, that works. Or, oh, that just takes away, you know. Um, And that goes as double, triple from people who are doing marketing or PR or social for you. Make sure they're representing you in a way that is you. You know, depending on what type of artist you are, and you may not know what that is. You may not be enough into like graphic design or wording of things or whatever it is to say like, oh, this represents me visually. But you should trust your instinct that if they give you something and it looks like, oh, that doesn't feel right. Just because it looks great, you got to say, no, sorry, it's not for me. And in the process, you'll start to discover what to say to get it to where it is for you and it does represent you. You know, uh, some other pitfall. How how do you succeed? I don't know. Every, there's no one way to succeed. And anybody who tells you there's even 10 different ways and only 10 ways to succeed is ridiculous. All the stories I've heard of people who said, oh, you know, I, I almost quit and then I hit it big. Or I just kept pounding the pavement and I slowly built. Everybody's experience is different. If, if one doesn't fit what you're, is happening to you, then that's not your path to success, you know. But some things, again, never pay to be reviewed or heard or any of that. Never pay to be put in a playlist. People should hear your music, you submit it, and they're like, oh, I like it, I'm going to put it on the playlist. No, uh-uh. And contests, no. And the thing that you should always ask yourself, and it's different for everyone, is what is success to you? You know, is it is it just money, you know, or fame? Is it 
recognition on a on a like an artistic level or human level. Oh, that's a great person or that's a great artist. Do you just want to make a living where you don't have to do anything else but the thing that you love? Do you want to have influence over other creators and and be like, oh, I did this music this way because you did it that way. You know, you have to decide why you're doing this and what your ultimate objectives are, what means the most to you. If you do it because someone in the world said, well, you're only successful when you make money and then you make that money, you're going to feel hollow. You won't feel like, you know, you might be able to feel hollow, you know, in in the Bahamas, but you're still going to feel hollow. And are you doing this because you love it? Or is it because someone else you know did it and you're envious or your parents did something like that or your parents didn't do something like that and you feel you need to rebel? If you, The only answer is, do you love what you're doing? It may not even be the perfect thing, but you're getting there. If you love it, then do it. If you don't, then get out. You know, uh, self-help people count on... People with blind and ignorant ambition to make their money. People who say, well, I really want to do this, but I can't get there. Tell me how to do it. You need to answer those questions for yourself. I mean, I mean, every now and then I'll get an answer from a book like that because I've self-examined. Oh, take this step. Again, it's an action step to contemplate X and the answer will help you get forward. It didn't actually give me anything, to, you know, as far as moving forward, but it gave, it at least helped me get into the mindset. So, yeah, I mean, just like anything else, just like elixirs, you know, you're going to, you're probably going to get a little benefit out of some of them, but there's still no better teacher than just doing it yourself and failing at it and failing and failing and failing. You know, that's whatever. Success is really not quitting, right? Uh, Quick note before I get to the last parts here. It's always been the case if you send your music in for review of any kind, whether it's critical review, a record label, sync licensing, airplay, playlist, whatever, you get either acceptance, great, rejection based on an actual review. We We liked it, didn't fit, or we didn't like it, whatever it is, or no review and no answer, right? You're gonna get a lot of the a lot of the last two really more than the, the acceptance, but I think the balance has shifted to where you're getting a lot more no answers these days than rejections, and that's partly because a lot of what's out there is being run by algorithms and AI. You know, when you submit music today, almost the majority of places you're submitting them to are sites that collect music, have you do all the work. Sometimes ask you to pay, which don't, and then say, well, we'll draw people to this site, and if they pick your song, then they'll use it, and we get a percentage of that. I mean, if the percentage is fair, that's fine, but there's no actual person behind it listening to your music, sifting through, categorizing songs, finding songs they like, understanding you as an artist so that they know how to shop you, they know where your music belongs. That middle person is... Hard to come by is virtually gone. It's almost all being done automated. Metadata, wonderful, but it's a shortcut into saying we want to take the human element out of it. You know, we're so terrible at promoting ourselves, most artists, so we can't even really, you know, describe what it is we do in a way that's effective. We don't have an elevator pitch, you know, partly because you talk yourself up, people are suspicious, even if you're right about it. 
They're like, oh, well, why isn't anybody else saying this? And partly it's really it's a lack of perspective and external understanding of what your real connector strengths are. You know, so we look to agents, we look to super fans to do that for us and listen to your fans, especially when your best option, though, is to upload your catalog to yet another sync farm, you know, hoping you're picked out of the thousands and thousands and you have as much chance of being chosen as if you weren't there at all. You know, that's I I do it anyway, because, you know, there's not a lot of recourse these days. You know, I'm looking for a sync licensing agent and all, but it's it's not a really great way to do anything. Nobody is listening. No one's actually listening to your music. Or if they are, they're again having an algorithm say, we have enough of that kind of music, whatever that means. So we can't accept your music. Yeah, but you didn't really listen, did you? You know, you have to figure out your own strengths, whether you work with someone to do it or not. Uh, you know, I might describe Wreck as electro power pop that pulls from the Beatles from Beck from U2. It has elements of funk and hip hop. It has lyrics and music that are both idiosyncratic and accessible. It has more than than meets the ear, you know. Music for people who love music, music heads. You know, but somebody else might have a better way of describing that. I don't know. Does that really su- describe it? Just a point I wanted to make before I summarize here, which is where we are now. And that is the big takeaways I think are do as much as you can for free. Unless you're a trust fund kid, there are so many. You have to be motivated enough within yourself to not you know, be so lazy that you're going to sit and, and have somebody else tell you what to do and how to do it. Find it. Go out and find it. If you don't want to do something, really don't, and you can pay for it, do it. If you can't, you don't have the skill and you don't want to learn the skill, sure, pay for it. But never pay for advice. Never pay for a review or critique. Never pay to submit or to play. Number two is yes, take action. Don't wait. Don't deny your passion for any reason, even financial. You will, If you really want to do something, you will find a way. There have been times in my life where I have more going on than any reasonable person should but it didn't stop me from continuing this pursuit, from continuing the passion of creating music. And then the third thing is, everything I just said, you should have the autonomy and self-authority and confidence and instinct to throw it all out the window. If you disagree with all of what I said, or even one thing, I'm not a voice of authority. I'm a voice of experience, but if you if something doesn't hit you right of anything I said, A, I want to hear about it because I always want to hear from you. But B, don't take it. All advice is optional. All advice is optional. You know, it's it's why I wore two reasons why I wore this T-shirt. One, I love my band, Wreck. I'm going to talk about the song coming up next. But two, you know, it's tattered. It's not a button-down shirt. I'm not wearing a tie because I don't. It's not. I don't have any any authority when it comes to what's quote unquote right or wrong. All I have is experience, and this is kind of a unexperienced shirt. I'm going to make one last pitch for Patreon. Uh, I'm very clear in my my Patreon. It's not paying for special access or anything like that. You do get some perks. You get discounts on t-shirts. You get some content that other people don't get. You get content earlier than anybody else in the world. You know, no commercials and things like that. But what you're really getting is you're supporting this podcast. You're supporting the music I do. And, you know, 
artists, again, from the Bono book I'll talk about next week, have always been supported by patrons, whether that's record companies or rich people or somebody financing investors, what have you. Patreon is sort of the, the, the small guy way of doing it. When you, you know, I've had people invest in me in the past thousands of dollars to record. Uh, this is a more consistent, sustainable way. And the only way that can happen is if you join. So please take a moment, please. Patreon.com slash music is not a genre, which brings me to the last part of every episode. The song, the song I'm going to spotlight in a few seconds is a rec song called Fall from the album Parts and Labor. And yeah, that's why I mention that word so often. The whole idea of the song is there's inside, there is a crush that grows. It's something everybody knows. Uh, it's on you. Can you feel it now? Pushing you. You don't know how. It's pushing you to, you want to lose it all. And all you have to do is fall. You take one step over. You take a leap. You know, uh, there's nothing left for you to see. All, all the same old misery. Uh, and you can't let it go. It's better than the devil you don't know. No. Go to the devil you don't know because that's the thing that's pulling you forward in your life. Uh, I think the song works super well. The, the lyrics and the music match perfectly. And I have Daniel Cousins and Justin Nadal and, you know, the band at the time to think about that and, and, and following my instinct and my vision. So I hope you enjoy the song coming up. Uh, you know, no questions here because this entire thing in, in, in a way was bringing up questions. Thank you, as always. For watching and listening, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection, and I will talk to you next week. In time, there is a crust that grows. It's something everybody
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 